the La Crosse Public Library Archives presents Dark Lacrosse Stories, a series in collaboration with the La Crosse Tribune. Dark Lacrosse is a suite of programs that feature the seedier side of lacrosse history and also include a downtown walking tour, a trolley tour, and an annual stage production with new content each year. horse got spooked. It, it was the gunshots. It wasn't used to it, you know. When it hurt him, it... Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm Chuck Schubert. I was a patrolman. Not anymore. Kind of lost my stomach for it, I guess. Back in 1900, I was relatively new on the force. I was partnered with Perry Gates. He was a good man, a good father, and a good friend. Perry had signed on in 97. I joined a year later. Everybody loved Perry. He was one of those big fellows with a heart of gold. Handsome, too. All the girls would smile at him, but he only had eyes for his wife. When she drowned a year after he became a patrolman, well, it, it took something out of him. They had three kids. Perry signed on the force for steady income to take care of them. That night in September, we were working third shift. We had just come in about midnight after walking our beats when we got a call from over in La Crescent. It said three men, two short, one tall, had robbed some folks at the rail yard. They had boarded a boxcar, brandishing pistols, and demanded money. One of the victims said no, and they pistol-whipped him before taking nine dollars off of him. They were last seen headed east along the turnpike leading to La Crosse. We sent word to the tollkeeper over at the wagon bridge to keep his eyes peeled and let us know if any of the group of three came over. About a half hour later, he sent word that a trio had crossed and were headed up Mount Vernon Street. Perry and me, we ran over to the Hodges and Lyons livery to get a horse and buggy. Bill Horshack and Joe Jacques were working the same shift as us, they headed out on foot. Perry and me drove over to the bridge to talk to the tollkeeper before heading back out. As we came up on 3rd and King, we spotted three characters on the corner. As soon as I stopped the buggy in front of them, Perry jumped down. He drew his pistol and yelled, Halt! That would be the last thing he ever said. I started to climb down too, just as one of them yelled, Throw up! They all drew and fired at Perry hit three times. One bullet bounced off one of the brass buttons on his coat and went into his left arm. Another hit his left wrist. The third, it went into his abdomen. Perry fired twice, but it was no good. The horse, it spooked when the shooting started. I fell back into the buggy and it charged up King Street. By the time I got back in the seat and turned her around, Perry was almost gone. We were right in front of Manstead's place, the Undertaker, so we carried him in there. We fanned his face, trying to keep him with us, but he died right there on the table. Jacques and Horshack got there and started looking for the shooters, but they were long gone. I drove the buggy back to the station to spread the word on what happened. 
all hell broke loose. Chief Byrne called out everybody, detectives, patrolmen, deputies, private detectives, even some civilians. Byrne sent riders to the roads out of town. It didn't do any good. Killers were gone, like gun smoke on the wind. I remember sitting alone in the station house. I couldn't believe he was gone. I would rather have died in my tracks in the defense of Perry, on whom the men pitched, than to have the horse run away and there be the least semblance of my being a coward. It was the horse got spooked. Patrolman Perry Gates was killed by persons unknown in the early morning hours of September 8, 1900. In the weeks and months that followed, hundreds of leads were pursued. Rewards were offered by the city, county, and by then-Governor Schofield himself. Transients and drifters across three states were arrested, questioned, and ultimately released. Even a clairvoyant was consulted. She believed that one of the trio had drowned trying to cross the Mississippi to escape, and his accomplices fled east. No one was ever caught, and the murder remains unsolved. Perry Gates' three children, now orphans, were scattered to relatives across the country. One to New York, another to grandparents in California, and one staying in La Crosse. Charles Schubert remained on the force until 1907 before leaving to operate a meat market, a trade he had pursued before joining the force. According to those who knew him, he carried the memory and pain of the Gates shooting with him the rest of his life. He died in 1940. And now I would like to welcome in Barry McKnight and Anita Taylor-Doring. Barry is the Programming and Community Engagement Coordinator at the La Crosse Public Library. He is also a former member of the Archives Department, and he did some of the initial research for this story. Anita is the Senior Archivist and Archives Department Manager at the La Crosse Public Library. One of the subject areas that has interested me the most when finding and researching dark La Crosse stories has been being able to learn about the early La Crosse Police Department. Among all the stories, the unsolved murder of Officer Perry Gates stands out as such a tragedy. The widower Gates was cut down at a young age, leaving behind three young children who were still grieving the death of their mother and drowning just the year before. The children were scattered across the country to the homes of relatives. In just a couple of years, they had lost their mother, their father, and then each other, their family ripped apart. Such a tragedy. To the men of the La Crosse Police Department, Gates' former friends and colleagues, no doubt they felt loss and anger and fear, fear that it could have been them gunned down in the early morning hours on one of La Crosse's streets. It is likely none of them felt that so powerfully as Gates' former partner, Chuck Schubert. Gates was his friend. As he scrambled to gain control of the horse that spooked at the gunfire and turned the cart around to return to his partner, as the multiple gunshots boomed, Schubert must have been desperate to get back. To find his friend lying in the street, bleeding his life away with those responsible having run off into the darkness, must have been terrible. The newspaper reports in the aftermath are sympathetic to Schubert, describing him as consumed with a sense of guilt over the horse bolting and inadvertently abandoning his friend at its time of need. Just three years later, the first automobile was purchased by La Crosse City Attorney Paul Mahoney, who drove his 1903 Cadillac on the streets of North La Crosse. 
Cars did not shy and bolt at the sound of gunfire. While an automobile would not have stopped the bullet that killed Gates, perhaps his partner Schubert would have had a fighting chance in taking the criminals or at least delaying their flight until help arrived. Less than 10 years after this incident, the police department realized the need for traffic safety as more and more daily cars and trucks graced the streets of La Crosse, intermixed between horses, wagons, streetcars, and railroad trains. In a letter addressed to the Police Committee of the Common Council, dated September 30, 1908, Police Chief John Weber stated, While the police department of this city will favorably compare with other police departments in the ability of the men employed, we are far behind the times and equipment. We cannot hope to successfully cope with the criminal element if we are not supplied with up-to-date police appliances and of the many requirements of police departments. A great many cities of this size are doing away with the patrol wagons and using automobile patrols. That is much cheaper and the service is very much better. I sincerely trust that your committee will see the advisability of immediately making such recommendations to the Common Council as you may see fit. Thanking you, committee, for your consideration of the matter and for the support and encouragement accorded me in the past, I am, yours respectfully, J.B. Weber, Chief of Police. Estimates were collected by the Board of Public Works, but Council decided the cost was too great. However, Chief Weber had an ace up his sleeve. Motorcycles cost much less than automobiles, so the Motorcycle Patrol was instituted to handle traffic law enforcement. Harley-Davidson was the motorcycle of choice of the department, and a brand new 1909 HD Model C5 was purchased. Although altered, as of this recording, this motorcycle can be seen at the National Motorcycle Museum in Anamosa, Iowa. It would not be until 1912 when the department received its request for an automobile, and the automobile patrol became a household phrase in La Crosse, as it had elsewhere around the nation. Thanks for listening.